Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's story time with Buster. We're at Saturday. We're going to get back into our chapter 12, I believe this is, the two mandates, uh, Rick Joyner's epic battles of the last days. As we're closing in on the end of this, I hope you're uh, understanding a lot of the things that Rick has written into this. Um, a lot of things for our eyes to be opened to and our hearts to be uh, opened up to as well as God speaks into us uh, much teaching here about our end days. We're going to pick back up in, I believe it's chapter 12, with the two mandates, the deadly trap. One of the greatest traps that is set for one with spiritual authority is the temptation to succumb to using their influence in the realm of secular, civil authority. It is possible to use our influence to good there, to do good there. But good is the worst enemy of best. This is the same seduction that began in the garden. The appeal to the positive aspects of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If we eat from it, that tree, we may be able to do a lot of good. But in the end, we and the good that we have done will perish. Some have been called to serve in political positions. But it is a symptom of a delusion to call that a high calling. It is, in fact, a very low calling as compared to a position of spiritual authority. When we have truly come to see who Jesus is and who he has called us to be, we will have the constitution of Elijah, who could stand before the king and declare, As the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. 1 Kings 17.1 By this, Elijah was saying to King Ahab, I am not standing here before you. Just You're just a king, just a man. I don't live my life before men. I live my life before the living God. When the church learns to likewise live before God rather than men, she will be entrusted with similar power. Why should we even want to see a king or president or any other man unless we have a divine mandate? We can go directly to the king of the universe any time we want with boldness. Why should we want to waste time trying to get legislation passed through the bizarre chaos of our legislatures? If we have seen the king in his glory, how can we even be impressed with presidents or kings from this earthly realm? The Battle of Life One of the great spiritual battles being waged by the church today is over abortion. The side that wins this conflict will have taken one of the truly important battles of our time. It is right for the church to be fully engaged in this battle. However, if we win and in the wrong spirit, the consequences can be a defeat for the cause of the gospel. If there is a greater revelation of the debauchery of humanity than what is revealed through the institution of slavery, it is abortion. Regardless of how many laws are passed legalizing this great evil, the laws of nature have already been passed. Nature itself reveals that abortion is probably the lowest level to which depraved humanity yet has yet fallen. Even the beasts will instinctively sacrifice their own lives to protect their young, but we have proven willing to sacrifice our children for the most petty reasons of convenience and selfishness. While we bemoan the whales and spotted owls, we massacre our own young, helpless and innocent, by the most cruel, torturous means. This is a tragedy of epic proportions. How the church confronts this great evil can potentially result in one of her greatest victories or result in even more lives being lost for eternity. Revival is usually God's final attempt to show mercy instead of judgment. The last of the great awakenings this country experienced came just before the Civil War. 
That awakening was given by the Lord as a way to prevent the Civil War. Had that revival continued on track, it would most certainly have abolished slavery without the worst bloodshed this nation has ever experienced. When the revival was turned from its course by the political zealots of that time, the abolitionist, the fate of the nation, was sealed and bloodshed was inevitable. The abolitionists were some of the most courageous, truth-loving, and self-sacrificing people in the country. Most were Christians and true patriots. However, they were also driven to extremes and blown about by the winds of impatience. There is no question that their goals were noble, but their means were destructive because they did not comprehend the nature of the wisdom from above as described by James. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's James chapter 3, uh, verse 13 and 17 through 18. The abolitionists had the right goals, but they tried to achieve them by the wrong means. Whenever we do this, we will depart from the wisdom that is from above, and we will then display a nature that is quite the opposite of the Savior's. Zealotry is the wisdom of Judas Iscariot, who thought that he could force the Lord to take his authority and declare his kingdom. Such political manipulation comes from the spirit of the evil one, regardless of the motives of those who use it. The kingdom of God will not come that way. One of the ultimate choices now facing the church is to decide if we want our political goals accomplished or the kingdom of God to come. John Brown, of the famous John Brown's Raid, was considered by many, including himself, to be a prophet. There are many with this same spirit moving throughout the church today. They, per- they pressure others to act prematurely and to use carnal weapons to assault spiritual fortresses. They exert this pressure with the argument that so many babies are being lost each day. This is a truth that should weigh on us, but their means will not result in any blessing being aborted, or any less being aborted, and their ways can ultimately lead to more bloodshed than we can now comprehend. Whenever spiritual men have tried to establish authority or influence in the civil realm of authority without being called to such positions, they have almost always become extremists who would inevitably damage their own cause. Those who will fall to this trap are usually the most zealous for the Lord and His purposes. But zeal without humble submission to the Holy Spirit will almost always become a useful tool of the enemy. If he finds someone that he cannot stop, he will then try to push them too far. Unfortunately, this is often very easy with the zealot. As soon as he is able to push others into a realm where they have not been called, beyond the grace that they have not been given, the enemy can use them as effective weapons in his hand. We must stop expecting the government to do our job. The Lord hears prayer, and he has more power than the President, Congress, and Supreme Court combined. The issue of abortion has the power to divide this country like it has not been divided since the Civil War. Prayer can bring a revival that can prevent this. This revival, if it is not sidetracked by zealots, will have the power to abolish abortion and replace it with the greatest esteem for life that civilization has yet realized. God's History Book The Book of Life is God's History Book. It is every different. It is very different from human histories. In God's history, many of the great heroes or men and women of the world has not yet known. 
But these praying saints had authority with God and accomplished much more for the human race and the human condition than any president, prime minister, or king ever did. Praying saints have freed many more slaves than Wilberforce and Lincoln combined, and they did it with a freedom that was much greater. This is why the Lord said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18 through 20, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. It is a wonderful thing to have been given authority over all the power of the enemy, but it is an even greater thing to be found in God's history book, the book of life. The way that we make it into this history book is to live by the authority of his book without succumbing to the temptation to live by human authority. What good will it do us to be known by all men, but not be known by God? It is much better to have influence with God than to have influence with all men. Let us again hear the warning Jesus gave to us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. As we draw this chapter to a close, considering that the two mandates that have been given, uh, what an incredible, powerful uh, message that we're, that we're told here. The, the only way that we're going to gain anything is through the authority given by God. Man's authority has no power, has no lasting power. It can cause and create even more problems for those around us and for us as a whole. It can create more problems in our world than we will ever have. Consider the things that have been spoken here today. Let God speak into your heart about humility and, and how to truly begin, become a prayer warrior, a, a mighty warrior, seeking God on, on the behalf of nations, on behalf of worlds, on behalf of churches and peoples and families and individuals. That intercessory prayer, that standing in the gap, pleading the case of someone else, pleading the case of, 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 our, of our church body as a whole today, Christian realm as a whole today, pleading the case of our government, that, that something happened, that God move in such a way that it changes the course of this nation. We're in a tailspin. We know that. We're in a downward spiral. It's obvious. But God, remember that? But God. Not but God with a question mark, but God with an exclamation point. I just preached a message on this. But God. Let, let him have the final say. He will. But if we give it to him now, if we recognize his authority now, if we recognize that he's our source, he's the one that we're to go to, it's not going to matter what anybody does in a legal format. If God hasn't pulled the trigger and, and isn't behind the decisions being made, they're not going to solve the problems. They might even create some more. And we've seen this. We understand this. I'm not a politician, but it doesn't take too much to understand that uh, our government is making bad decisions on a daily basis anymore. Consider all of these things. Let God lead you. Humble yourself before the Lord. Be constant in his presence. We need his presence more than we need his power. Amen. God bless you guys. We will pick this up in chapter 13, The Battle for Life and Liberty, as we bring this book to a close soon. God bless you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayer over Ron and I in this ministry. 
God is doing some incredible things. We continue to see his hand moving through us, using us as we continue to just be available and humble ourselves before him, allowing him to speak whatever it is he chooses through us and give us the opportunity to share with others. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll talk to you again real soon.